Are you ready to begin? I am. Well, hello. This is Sad Girl Syllabus, a commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. Boo-hoo, bitch. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't ever apologize. That is exactly how we're going into this episode. We're doing it. The Vietnam War. Um, We, (laughs) as obvious in this season, we are skipping wars. Um, (laughs) There's no possible way to cover every single war. We would be in this season forever. It would no longer be sad girl syllabus. It would just, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. What if we became just like war historians? I, I would love that. It's like two, we'd go down in history books as like two girls too sad, but also two girls who like started out with like a media theory podcast. And then it like turned war historian. Like that's really an unexpected character arc. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm like too lazy to be accurate. This is about guesstimating, not actual. <laughs> we don't have what it takes to be his like true historians. <laughs> no. JK. But. Yeah, I guess it's like if you gave me are looking for like a history book, you will not receive it. <laughs> Sorry. I am an I undersell. We do do research on this podcast. <laughs> we do great research. We do great research. Also, I was going to say to you this, I'm really excited for this episode in particular, because when I saw that you put the, that you literally put the Susan Sontag book, <laughs> like the PDF in the notes, just read that. all of it. <laughs> and um, yeah. And I was like, great. The time, the time has come to talk about Susan Sontag. Suze. Finally. I mean, three seasons and we haven't talked about Susan. Yeah, like again, it takes it takes a really long time to build up to all of the like true sad girl icons. Mm-hmm. People have speculated that my cat is named after Susan Sontag, and you know sometimes, like sure she is, but it's really just Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, a little more, uh, a little more punk rock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, like I don't know if Susan Sontag ever went by Susie, so I cannot imagine that she did. <laughs> yeah we just gonna sorry no go ahead I was just gonna say she's kind of one of those people that I can't imagine having like a childhood in which yeah true that's true he was always an adult philosopher (laughs) theorist yeah oh my gosh can you imagine that's like an interesting that's always an interesting and cute thing in um uh camera lucida the mm-hmm. Roland Bart book mm-hmm. where he's talking about like dealing with um, the death of his mother and like dealing with the grief and how he, he has this p- photo of her as a young child that he gazes at because he can imagine his mother's life without him mm. in it. And so that helps to like cope with his life without her. Right. It's like the child, the child person the child version of these people of these giants is like an interesting thing. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, all to say that (laughs) photography 
television where I think probably talking a lot about. Yeah, this is truly like where the media comes, mm-hmm. comes heavy. Um, I wonder if we're going to put this entire PDF of on photography in the show notes. That'd be cool. <laughs> we may hey, not be classic. Uh, <laughs> we may not be historians like writing history books, but we'll def have a library. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Vietnam War. How long did it last? Like 20 years? So U.S. is involved, that's in quotes, because they were definitely in there before this. But (laughs) the U.S. is involved in the Vietnam War from like 65 to 75. Those are official dates. But the war had been, conflict had been going on, like, yeah, since 55 at least, I think. I was just looking this up. Uh, (laughs) Confirm my dates for this. yeah, but I mean, the U.S. involved, which I think is mostly what we're talking about, uh, yeah. is that like 65 to 75 period. But of course, the U.S. was had their hands in there much earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Quiet American, the Graham Greene book is a great. Oh, I didn't know uh, that was about Vietnam. That. Yeah. And it's about like the U.S. Like that's when the French are still the um obviously colonizers uh over there and uh in the conflict and graham green's main character who Mm. seems to be graham green (laughs) (laughs) Um, is a british journalist over there anyways and america is represented by this uh quiet young american who uh thinks that he knows best, I guess, and makes Mm -hmm. everything a lot, lot worse. Um, But, and it's also run by like corporate, not corporate, but capitalistic interests over there. Yeah. Yeah. A quiet American, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, supposed to be a joke. Mm. Because Americans are not quiet. <laughs> so much, a lot of British literature, especially in the like early um, 20th century, is uh, like trying to dunk on Americans. Mm. It like is like the ego of losing the war. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, losers, you can try to dunk on us, but <laughs> like making fun of, but. Uh, but however, the U.S. should absolutely be made fun of for being <laughs> British and, um, and barbaric. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, so the official dates of U.S. intervention in, the, in Vietnam is 60, 1965 to 1975. Yeah. And um, it coincides. I was thinking about this while I was um, watching Across the Universe yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me you're gonna watch that. It's so corny. <laughs> it was so big when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. And and it's so oh my god, it's so corny. What's the dude, the dude's I, name? I was just actually, gonna ask you, I was like, what is that guy's name? I'm gonna have to look it up because I can't even remember. It's like Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. And Jim Sturgis. Right. Oh, he's such he's such a sad boy um yes but uh yeah he um 
yeah, I was thinking about this in, um, uh, while I was watching this, that like the other thing, the 1965 to 1975, it really does coincide with, and to, you know, to bring it back to the topic that we are always discussing, um, is like it coinciding with like the, like women's liberation mm-hmm. and like second wave feminism. And so there's, um, a lot more, um, women protesting and, um, it's, it, it's an interesting turn because the men are drafted up to go fight and the women are completely um i would i would say that women are le- are major leaders of the protest movement oh yeah i ag- i agree i mean obviously you have huge male figures in mm-hmm. in the protest movement but i think this is really like there's such a strong women lead and especially now when we like look back at that time like who comes to mind and obviously there's huge male figures. Yeah. But there's also like Angela Davis, you know, and Jane Fonda and like all of these, like just giant names um, that are still active and, you know, doing tons of stuff today. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I was also trying to like, I was, I was kept asking myself like, okay, what's the thing that changes where people stop buying into the American propaganda. Mm-hmm. I mean, in World War II, which was just like 20 to 25 years prior, um, you had everybody like extremely on board with the nationalism, extremely on board with patriotism. Um, and women were very excited to do their part by supporting their country and supporting mm-hmm. the boys. Um, and so what so I was trying to think like what happened in that 20 year period where things um, uh, start to start to fall apart. Like there's, and there's a lot of things, I guess there's like increased communication where things there's more news coverage, more journalism. You have a lot more um, you find out about a lot more stuff, like shady stuff going on during like the cold war. Um, you also have uh, women are increasingly more, liberated and are and women are offering critiques and then right at the precipice of of the Vietnam War or the US's intervention um you have the civil rights movement which brings mm-hmm. a ton of critique um but yeah it's sort of like what what occurred to or like i guess what constellation of things happened to make people be super critical and that's why i also was like the Sontag on photography, the yeah. first essay, Plato's Cave. Um, you know, she talks about Korea, the Korean War happening yeah. just before, and you don't have the mass outrage as you do with Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And some of that is, um, you know, definitely the communication of there's already um, criti- criticism of the war of Vietnam. And yeah. then you have journalists and newspapers seeing like, oh, well, now I have an audience for this story and this very evocative photogra- photographs, um, very violent and awful photographs. So while the Korean War is, you could critique just as much as the Vietnam of the U.S. involvement in there, um, you don't see that from the U.S. until Vietnam. And I do think that is like, you already have the civil rights movement going on. You yeah. already have, you know, unrest and protest 
um, and criticism. And mm-hmm. then just like we were talking about with Susan in World War Two, in the, well, in the in-between wars episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another Susan. Another Susan. <laughs> it's like, okay, what, what stories is, um, not what narratives um, is being communicated to the public? And Vietnam is like the first one where they can, where journalism starts communicating like a more negative anti-U.S. Yeah. story. I mean, obviously yeah. not all of it. It's much more conflicted than that. Um, there are a lot of people who are very pro-Vietnam. Yeah. Um, but a lot of critique is starting to make its way into the average American's home. Right. And they're showing images. They're showing, tele- that's the other thing is television, yeah. of course. Um, they're, sh- they're showing images that are so extremely gruesome and really, you know, indefensible in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking war crimes yeah uh, of from the u.s in vietnam yeah um this is also in the in the three guineas which we also talked about um and in, in between wars um the three guineas the book by virginia wolf and, and in one of the chapters she's addressing this question how do we how are we to prevent a war and she brings this up photographs because i think at the time that she was writing that there had been, she had seen, she mentions like civil war photographs, American civil war photographs and how gruesome they are. And she, and it's, it's interesting because Virginia Woolf, who is writing that, I think like right before world war, right before world yeah, war two, right before world war two, the late thirties. Ro- yeah. Right before the England. Yeah. England is involved. In- yeah. She's saying, um, She's saying if people had, if we circulated more photographs of these gruesome, horrible wars, we probably, she speculates that that would actually prevent war and surprise. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, I know it doesn't prevent the wars. It just makes people more outraged, I guess. Right. Right. And that is some of the Sontag is like, people saw the civil war photographs for the most part, you know, Americans. And that didn't say that that didn't make them like Northerners or Southerners being like, Oh, we shouldn't do this. This is bad. They weren't anti-war because of those. They were actually more, staunch in their beliefs that this war was the correct thing because that's the narrative they were being sold around those photographs versus in vietnam where the narrative is like oh yeah like how are we supposed to buy this right and of course yeah this is like where i think it feels like i mean that's not true you see it in lots of media where drafts are called into question of who's getting drafted in mm-hmm. any of these wars. Um, but obviously the draft, the protests around the draft itself is so central to Vietnam um, yeah. protests and, and people being forced to go to war for, for what, for what, <laughs> for other people's, you know, pockets to line up. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, and the draft is like, actually undemocratic yeah of course (laughs) of course (laughs) I mean it's just like it's so insane to think that like to think that you could that a politician is capable of or like a nation's leaders is capable of being like and then we'll force everyone to risk their lives Mm -hmm. for whatever yeah it's um that's that's so intense and crazy 
my mom talks about the turmoil in Vietnam during v the Vietnam War a lot. And she's just like, says that it was so scary and fucked up. And she yeah. talks about the television too, like it being televised. And um, she says this phrase, but I'm pretty sure it's like a, a larger like catchphrase in pop culture that it's just like the television, like it brought the war into your living room. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also like, that's also pretty crazy. This, um, this like new-ish media, I mean, in the sixties, anybody could afford to have but like a lot of average Americans could afford to have televisions. And so it like really disseminates that information. But then like people aren't thinking about like what should or should not be censored on the media and um, what is like suitable for for eyes. I mean, it's a lot you can it's a obviously like a parallel to the Internet. People are having right. the same people never learn. Like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Like, I mean, all of these like ethical questions about the internet and how, and like moderating Reddit threads or moderating YouTube videos kind of thing, like these ethics questions are coming up and it's just like, this isn't the first time, like it's the first time for the internet. Sure. And the internet is like capable of crazy things, but this isn't the first time that we've had like a major technological innovation that is in the hands of most people. So like, why are we still asking these same questions? Yeah, I haven't solved them yet. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me, what I was really drawn to and like interested in talking about is like, of course, the way women are portrayed in, in media about Viet Vietnam. And then also like, yeah, like you said, you really, really see women in the anti-war movement. Um, taking like leadership positions, um, being very visible, yeah. I guess, is the other thing too. You know, this isn't the staying at home, even though, of course, you know, we do have women serving in this war, um, but they are not part of the draft, you know, like right, only men are right. drafted. So, right. Um, oh, so tricky. Yeah. It's super complex. Um, and also, I think that like there's sort of a, the the characterization and across the universe at least which mm -hmm. i think that this is um this characterization is is um taken from a lot of taken from as a as a story of most women like she the the main character the woman lucy has like her boyfriend gets killed um while he's deployed and then her brother gets drafted and he like comes back super injured and um, just like has all sort of like hope and optimism beaten out of him. And so there are the women at home are sort of like, okay, we are, we've made a lot of progress in terms of um, not being discriminated against as women. We've made a lot of progress in terms of like publishing and having our voices out there. And so the best way to make use of our progress and our, um, liberation is to protest this like you really see which i i think that there are probably many many other women who were against the civil war during the civil war times there are probably women who were against um u.s intervention in world war ii because mm -hmm. they didn't like it took a long time for them to realize like what was happening in germany um with the concentration camps but like like i yeah 
the woman's critique of war has always been there. It's just like a whole constellation of shit happening during the the middle of the 20th century allows for women to actually voice that critique. Yeah. Yeah, that they're given the microphone, you know? Yeah. Um, It's interesting, and I am blanking on who I should attribute this to. It's actually, I think, a different podcast, but movies about Vietnam, of which there are very, very, very many, um, and many, many books are... Mm -hmm totally absent of women like about the war like yeah the more than other war movies there's um but yeah she went through and like listed them out like there are very few women and if there Mm. are women in the movies often they are um sex workers prostitutes um or they are completely objectified um and are like incredibly minor roles um so you yeah usually often the function if they are in a movie is sex and that's it that's Uh, weird i know because you do have women as part of the army you know like at this point and i wonder like this is me off on a tangent um but (laughs) you know you do have like a free love um time period which as people have talked about is not wasn't as progressive as it was portrayed to be. It mm-hmm. really is only, you know, free love and openness if you're a white Pet. straight man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then you're going to be ashamed if you're anything else. Um, yeah. So that like, well, yeah, women are, are acting, you know, they're actors in the anti-war movement and yet mm-hmm. often still portrayed in media as sex objects and yeah. nothing else so like their presence is there but they're just there for sex yeah yeah um which is interesting the way to think about the way that jane fonda figures into yeah. history because she like um um she's like a proto bimbo like and i mean bimbo in like you know yeah. like um, barbarella yeah yeah and uh and people and the, the bimbos of today like are descended from people like Jane Fonda. Um, and I'm and again, I mean that in like these in, in these girls who are like um, very actively like take pride in their they like do drag themselves. Yeah, it's like like women it, doing drag. It's a very over the top sexuality, femininity. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jane Fonda like. um it seems, I mean, I didn't watch the documentary you did, so you'll have to tell me if this is like, a, <laughs> if this is a, um, like way off the mark, but um, it seems like Jane Fonda is probably like looking at that critically about how like popular culture or media is responding to in real time to the war. And like, she might be noticing that women are completely objectified still. And so she's like, well, I'm hot. So people are going to like pay attention to me so I might as well like speak out yeah I think I think that is true I mean I think in the documentary she does it's like I didn't really know what to do with my celebrity you know Mm -hmm. and and I and she acknowledges doesn't always didn't always do the right thing Mm -hmm. and like regrets certain actions but 
um, that there was, you know, a lot of power that she held um, from looking the way she looked, from being a sex object, and then speaking out against the war. Interesting. She does note that, like, from her first marriage with, like, a French director, when she is more of the sex symbol, then Mm -hmm. to her second marriage, um, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. He was one of the Chicago Seven, but, like, huge anti-Vietnam protester, anti-Vietnam war protester. (laughs) I'm looking, I'm I'm Um, Googling Jane Fonda's second husband. (laughs) Oh my God, she's had so many. Uh, Ted Turner, Tom Hayden, Roger Baden. Tom Tom Hayden. Hayden. Um, So, (laughs) but she's had three. Wow. She's had three. Uh, She, um, I think her dad had like five. So, Um, (laughs) nice. Uh, she, she does say that like for a long time, even though she really wanted to be independent and not defined by male figures in her life, Mm -hmm. like her dad or her brother, um, she still ended up, you know, like she's kind of a person who goes hundred percent in on everything. And Mm -hmm. with each kind of male figure, it did really, you know, like shape her life. So she was already in the Vietnam war protests when she met Tom Hayden, Mm. um, but I think like doubling down and committing, it's interesting the way she um, sort of portrays her relationship with these big events in her life, the big parts of history she's been a part of, and then her personal relationships with men at the same time hmm. and how much influence they had and how much doubt sometimes they caused and, um, and pressure. Um, but yeah, she is an interesting lady complicated and, <laughs> and some of the st- what was interesting is like yeah there is a huge amount of naivete in mm-hmm. how she protested i think the vietnam war i think there's a lot of she's very clever she's very smart but and she admits that that like there's a lot she didn't know she didn't know how what to do in certain situations mm-hmm. i mean there who does it's sort of a not yeah. a, like a normal situation to be in <laughs> she wasn't living in the time of the <clears throat> of the the 2020s where people there's like infographics telling you how to protest exactly yeah (laughs) but yeah I don't know she's like I mean I think she really shocked people yeah uh was she in Charlie's Angels why do I think that she I don't know what is she I'll have to look it up is she in one of the new ones actually Am I crazy? Oh, maybe she is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I thought that she was in the original Charlie's Angels. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, I mean, Barbarella is like still gets it. <laughs> still gets it like the sexy um, superhero kind of vibe. <laughs> Superheroes, but make them sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, girls kicking ass <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it's funny because yeah it can it's like it is genuinely unexpected because you're like whoa like this she's arguably one of the first celebrities to really like take up accountability and responsibility um and like using their influence to um to weigh in on things but it's funny because like people have people find it surprising 
that she like get like takes action but mm-hmm. like she, on screen she portrays these like superhero type people um and so it's just like uh you want her to like pretend and act but like I don't know I don't know I yeah. just it's it's an interesting parallel like she's um she truly takes action like a like a vigilante or something kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she's just yeah she's very interesting lady many facets to that life um it's great I mean like yeah 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 sorry love Grace and Frankie too I mean <laughs> I thought she was great in Grace and Frankie I haven't seen enough of it but the little I saw was excellent so yeah that's really nice it's cute she's um she's like playing her character and that is and I have no idea if she's Grace or Frankie I've like literally <laughs> I can't keep it straight um but uh she she might be Grace and but she's coming from this place of like losing her like understand like she's has fulfilled like the women's traditional role um and Lily Tomlin's character which I believe is Frankie um (laughs) is like tell is sort of like ushering her into like embracing like being herself and not just like being in service to other people anyway so she's Mm. she's really good like I just I think that yeah she's really good in that um thanks Jane Fonda (laughs) thanks Jane uh I was gonna ask if I know did you start watching the Pammy Pamela and Tom, Pam and Tommy. There we go. Pammy. That's yeah. what I was just going to call it. <laughs> I, like, I got to the episode where she talks about Jane Fonda being. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. a role model. And I was like, oh, wow. And she is kind of like <laughs> this, like, oh, you thought Barbarella was sexy? Well, we're going to amp it up to 100 kind of image. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That is that is really cool um jane susan jane and susan um, should we talk about yoko i was just gonna say should we add yoko to the mix <laughs> <laughs> coming in hot um yeah yoko ono um during the 60s was the wife of john lennon and like were the i mean so what we'll talk about their bed in um, their protest, um, were the Beatles, like, did any of them speak out? Do you know if any of them like spoke out against the Vietnam war? Do you know, like, I I, mean, they're British. So like what stake do they have sort of, but still, I wonder, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I'm just going to say that I assume John and George did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's like, I was thinking about, um, about the Beatles and I actually want to look up one of the one of the songs that's in <laughs> that's in across the universe that um uh that is is being mapped onto um being mapped onto this like critique of the Vietnam War and then I was like I wonder if the Beatles were had any kind of like say against the war or if they were too like pop, like they had to just like, they can't, you know, like, cause you have people like Jane Fonda, but then you also have people who are just like, I'm just an, I'm just a pop artist. Like, I'm not going to make a critique. Mm. Um, you definitely, so 
John definitely did. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has some, some music about it. Right. Like they're British. It's um, not as involved. Yeah. And I guess at the point where the U.S. is involved, they're, they've already broken up. Um, mm. But I'm just going to assume that they're into their hippie-dippiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess um, I got to watch the Disney Plus documentary. <laughs> it is long. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to Yoko. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I feel like I do really, I, I do really want to watch the Beatles documentary. I feel, I also feel like I sort of have to, and it feels kind of like a chore, but whatever. I watched some of it. I did not watch all of it. You will, I mean, they're recording an album, so you will hear the same songs over <laughs> and over and over again. It is interesting. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's their last album. It's like right mm. before they break up. Mm. And Is it tense? It's not so much tense as it is like everyone is so tired. Yeah. But like you can just, yeah. they're like, they want to do their own thing. It's definitely not Yoko Ono broke up the band. She's around yeah. all the time. But um, yeah. Well, but classic like vilification of the woman. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like a few scenes in there where like, like Paula's definitely like, you guys, we need a practice. Like, please get to work. Um, <laughs> all the time. And I think like John and Yoko are out at one point, like they're not in the room. And he's like, what? Like, you want me to tell her? Like, you want me to tell him he can't, she can't be around? Like, they're in love. Like, you know, like, what am I yeah. going to say? Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's tense, but Yoko is always there. She's usually pretty silent. Yeah. They seem to be, they um, get along fine. Yeah. 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 The One Direction documentary came out right before they broke up. <laughs> <laughs> what are their thoughts on Vietnam? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Lucky One Direction. They like came up and went back down again um sort of in between crises in between geopolitical crises yeah they did just like kind of <laughs> skate through <laughs> um yeah i wonder if harry styles will have anything to say about the mm. russia ukraine conflict um yeah, i want to know his opinion for <laughs> sure <laughs> apparently watermelon sugar is about like eating out a woman anyway okay we can go back to yoko ono uh <laughs> so, so yoko i really love the bed in which is um the john and yoko's protest of um of the vietnam war and it's a pun off of um sit in like a sit in protest where people would occupy um like a legislative building or perhaps like a some sort of like government building um and you would sit in to like demonstrate uh protest um or like demonstrate like resistance um it was completely it was not i don't know if any sit-ins ever really got violent i'm sure some did 
but um, I think that it was like part of a peaceful protest kind of movement. It wasn't like marching from one place to another. It was it was really just to like disrupt some sort of legislation or to disrupt some kind of activity and to to show like this is all of us who have who who are resisting whatever is going on that's a sit-in so this bed-in was this uh i guess it's like sort of, it was a protest but it was also sort of like co uh, coined as a piece of performance art um and yoko and john are just like in their bed in manhattan um for days on end i'm actually i need to look up how long that lasted um but and it was like don't it that sort of angle is like don't do anything like just resist the war and just like don't like stop going to work it was kind of like a strike it was kind of mm -hmm. like a protest and but let me see how long this lasted march 25th to the 31st in 1969 and then may 26th to june 1st 1969 hmm. um oh i thought that it okay wait we'll have to cut out the part where i say manhattan it happened in amsterdam and montreal <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but what i find really interesting is um like that that is an interesting harnessing and i don't really know if yoko ono intended this but it's a it's interesting to think about like the traditional view of women at home hmm. like waiting for the war to be over and and popular culture and much of historical accounts, much of the historical accounts will have people believe that like, oh yeah, the, like the women are such afterthoughts in, in history and in pop culture and thinking like, oh, the women were just like at home, like weaving <laughs> or like the women were just like at home. And so it's, it's interesting to think about Yoko Ono's bed and to be like, like, I'm just going to stay at home. Yeah. Um, and that's a protest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also like kind of just an interesting level of like Yoko and John are obviously incredibly huge celebrities and the spectacle is just themselves appearing in public, right? They have people taking yeah. a photo everywhere they go. So like a refusal to be like, it's a spectacle of a refusal of spectacle. It's like, no, I'm staying yeah. in bed. I'm not yeah. coming out. And my, the absence of my presence is a protest. I think that that's interesting. I read like a really crazy segment of this Wikipedia page about the <laughs> go, bed in. Go for it. <laughs> um, uh, uh, it says Ono earned controversy in the Jewish community for claiming during the press conference, during the, the Amsterdam bed in press conference, that Jewish women could have changed Hitler by becoming his girlfriend and sleeping with him for 10 days. Who claimed that? Yoko Ono. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it was acknowledged that some Nazis, including Nazi first lady Magda Goebbels, had at one point in their lives had Jewish lovers. What why is that relevant to this Wikipedia? Anyway, okay, whatever. I thought that was gonna be a more interesting sentence than it was. <laughs> it's still a wild thing to say, my girl. <laughs> oh my god. Yoko. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, but as you were as you were saying that though, um, this this paragraph in the Wikipedia page that I was reading was was also about like um, so much press coverage, and um, and yeah, that that's like a sort of 
interesting tension of like you just want to be in bed the most private of the domicile and and yeah and then drawing attention to that like flips it on its head mm-hmm. yeah and a refusal yeah to work to like be productive in any possible way um those two uh, <laughs> also wait oh my god oh okay so i wasn't totally off base with the manhattan thing their second button was planned to take place in new york but lennon was not allowed into the u.s because of his 1968 cannabis conviction wow i didn't know that <laughs> interesting they uh were granted a 10-day visitor status and i guess may 26th to that's a little less than 10 days okay okay may, yeah um Interesting. And I guess they, they had performed some, some songs. Um, I don't know if all of them were necessarily protest songs, but a lot of them were about like promoting peace and love, um, while they were doing the bed-ins, like they, they were performing these songs. Oh, wow. In the Montreal bed-in, they had, um, Timothy Leary, uh, Allen Ginsberg was there. Yeah, this is, that is total spectacle. That's weird. It's weird. Okay. To like be, um, inviting, inviting. Yeah. Timothy Leary. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. Oh, there's a wax figure made of John Lennon and Yoko Ono in Montreal. Uh, um, there's wax figures of them in bed. Nice. That's one way to memorialize the the action. Yeah. Anyway, wow, interesting that Yoko would say to that the Nazis could have been stopped had Hitler just like had a whore. Yeah, just that's all it takes. Um I don't know why women didn't think of that before. <laughs> I feel like in um I feel like it during regressing a little, but during World War II in particular, there was like an interesting, um, uh, there was also an interesting valuation of like sex workers and like pinups mm-hmm. and, um, being like, I'm a morale booster because I like, I'll sleep with the sailors on leave or like, you know, I'll pose these pinup photographs to sell to soldiers. Right. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Yeah. There is a lot of that. And yeah. Yeah. By the time you get to Vietnam, it's a little more graphic <laughs> in terms of pinups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, when was Playboy incorporated? That's my next <laughs> unhinged like Google search during this recording. 1953. Okay. Yeah. It had been a- around for a good long while. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Actually, that brings me to MASH. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which I'm wearing. Okay. MASH is set in during the Korean War, but it was made in 1970. Um, and it is actually like, it's obviously about Vietnam. And Altman, um, the director, you know, talked about how you couldn't really make a Vietnam movie at the time. Like most of the Vietnam movies that we talk about are made after Vietnam. And, um, and because you didn't, I didn't really know 
how the conflict was really shaping and Hollywood definitely was not going to make an anti-Vietnam movie or an explicitly anti-Vietnam movie. Yeah. So MASH, have you seen the movie or the show? Uh, Not really. Okay. I've like seen, you know, it's been on in the background at my parents' house sometimes. Right. But I haven't like sat down to watch it. Yeah. The movie itself, right. It's in Korean. It's Korean war. They are U.S. Um, it's a U.S. Army hospital just a few miles from the front lines um, mm. and about like three surgeons there. Right. Um, okay. It is a great movie. I will say I love Robert Altman. I'm wearing my long goodbye T-shirt. I'm a big fan, <laughs> but it is so fucking sexist. It's like it is a little hard to watch sometimes because obviously huh. you do have nurses and um, yeah women army personnel working there with them and the women are there to sleep with um and if they're two by the book like one character um like lieutenant huayan or whatever um who they call hot lips uh Uh. there's a lot there like she is like sexually shamed and harassed um and like you know she's her they she's taking a shower and they um pull down the like curtain oh my god the whole camp and Mm -hmm. you know and she's an awful person because they like you know the whole movie is making fun of war making fun of the u.s involvement in war as like yeah both gruesome like you see all the like the gore of the surgery and then these guys are like just like like yeah sarcastic and just fucking around the whole time but so she's like representing the like army standards basically, but she's also mm. like really prim and mm. um, by the book. And it's, it's interesting that that's the main lead woman character in this movie that is about mm. Vietnam is like the stuck up woman, or you can be the distraction that they sleep with. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Once again, which I forget. Oh, we've been talking about it during this season, like this, the two like polls. Yeah. The two polls of women. Um, we were talking about Penelope and Clytemnestra being like foils of one another and like the faithful wife versus the um, infidelity of like uh, the treasonous wife or whatever. Um, unfaithful wife. That's the word. <laughs> Um, and yeah. And then it just like, it becomes modernized, um, like that, the binary of, of womanhood becomes more modernized or more contextualized, I guess. Yeah. And then like, in this case, she's like, she's not the faithful wife. She's like faithful to uncle Sam, basically. Right. She's a stooge, um, which is a fine to criticize someone on (laughs) for sure. Right. But then it's like, also has this like layer of gender and sexuality tied to it that's really mm-hmm. odd it is mm-hmm. say elliot gold looks great in it donald sutherland incredible <laughs> i didn't know donald sutherland was in it. it is a good cast robert duvall's in it um it's great donald sutherland looks great in it <laughs> elliot gold and donald sutherland are just like doing great having a good time there's a theme song in it that is called oh, Suicide yeah. is Painless. It's 
amazing. Altman was like, I wanted the stupidest song about suicide. And I had my son write it (laughs) because my son's an idiot. And then, oh my, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, There's a hilarious picture of Donald Sutherland in mash he's like looking at something like a like a photo or like a photo negative he looks really dumb we're gonna have to use this for a meme (laughs) it's great it's it is good Uh, it's a (laughs) it's a good movie I'm gonna say it even though the sexism is hard to watch um wow he's not like super attractive as a young man but he's like hot as an old dude I think he's like in action he's hotter Hmm, that's a but good point. I don't know. I'd say next to Elliot Gould, no one's hot as hot as Elliot Gould. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't hold a candle. Come on. Yeah. Funny. Um, yeah, it's almost as if people, writers of movies, media, books are um they're just like hmm how can we reduce womanhood down to two (laughs) to two things like it no matter what time or place you're in it's just like oh yeah we'll like yeah of course we'll acknowledge that women were like working in the war they were nurses they were participants in society but still there it's either the bitch or the angel the madonna or the whore yeah yeah, and I hate, I don't really like critiques of movie that are like, well, these characters are bad and they treat women bad and therefore it's a bad movie, right? That's that's like right. dumb because yeah, I don't th- think you're supposed to be like, oh, these are good guys, you know, like. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, yeah. But the like the whole role of how women are treated in that movie is like totally unexamined, I would say. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah, real weird. Uh, (laughs) and to me I was like okay this is like it's about Vietnam it says it's about Korea but this is about Vietnam um so much so that they had to like put in they have a loudspeaker announcement going through the like army hospital yeah which is like a field hospital um Mm -hmm. and it always is looking like the Korean war like just to remind audiences about Korea, like not <laughs> this is not about Vietnam. Um, yeah, all of yeah, <sighs> yeah. Highly recommend, even though deeply proud of it. <laughs> Still a classic. It is. It's good. Yeah, I mean, and there are tons of other Vietnam movies, right? And including yeah. like there's the Jane Fonda um, coming home movie about. Mm-hmm being a vietnam vet um mm-hmm. there's heart of or sorry apocalypse now <laughs> yeah platoon whatever and there is yeah. i would say like one i guess this is related to coming home in 80s movies there's so many um especially in comedies but in other movies too the vietnam vet mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. being like this ptsd Mm-hmm. um like broken individual yeah um yeah. and a lot of times played for laughs i would say in the 80s yeah um i'm like thinking about like uh 
Caddyshack. I think Bill Murray's character is supposed mm-hmm. to be a Vietnam vet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that is often uh um or that that punchline is is often invoked when it's just like oh yeah the things I've seen in Nam or whatever like people right. have sort of memified that or that's like an an enduring punchline but it is to- but whoa it's like fully making fun of the trauma that these people have endured the uh, thinking about Vietnam specifically like the homecoming of Vietnam mm-hmm. specifically is interesting in comparison to the other wars we've covered, um, the war being the war historians that we are, um, <laughs> um, like, well, and I think cause world war two is on my mind since it's the most recent, but, um, like that homecoming, like parades yeah. were ha- like people were throwing parades. There's like people who are so glad to have, to have the boys back. Um, and then, I don't know if, again, my mom recounts a lot of Vietnam War to me as well. Um, And she talks about like seeing on TV and and hearing about it, like Vietnam War vets came back and like, because the war had been so protested, um, but like, it seemed like mob mentality would kind of take over and people didn't understand that like, it's not the troops, it's the, it's not the veterans, it's like the government that deserves the critique. But like, she says that there's like, she remembers seeing on television, like people spitting on Vietnam war vets coming home and, um, and this just like awful, awful treatment, like all of the vitriol and anger is just immediately projected onto the actual soldiers. Right. Um, in a super unfair way. Right. Because so not only are you like having to deal with this insane amount of trauma, probably, Mm -hmm. um, and you're not, being taken care of um from the yeah. government that made you do this right yeah um both for your mental health physical health monetarily but also yeah the public is also views you as a not all of the public but views you as a, the villain yeah because you had to, you were forced to enact yeah um violence and fucking War crimes. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not to laugh at that, but I mean, but yeah, they did. yeah, right. It's um, and yeah, instead of rather than like waiting at home, being the sad wife who waits, like people got radicalized, mm-hmm. being at like during that war, and people were um, yeah, and I think again, like people were. It would be superficial or like um, somewhat reductive to say that like people were just being dumb, you know, in in not um, like I don't think that people were being dumb when they like turned all of their anger onto the soldiers. I think that it truly was mob mentality, um, having so much emotion, and then you're like, and you you've become radicalized, and then like you uh, met like sev- thousands of several thousands of individuals all coming together having been angered and radicalized and then they're doing these protests and then they're all in a group together and then of course they're gonna misdirect their anger right and and there's not really you know there's not really an avenue for their anger to go sure because yeah. it's not like you know you protest the war end up getting killed like at Kent State yeah yeah well, how much good are you doing I mean obviously it did do good because 
it helped end the war. Um, mm-hmm. But I think people feel pretty powerless. And so here's a, an individual in front of me that I can drive right. this towards rather than the government as a whole. Right, right. Um, this is such a digression, but did like okay so dudes hippies wanted to grow their hair long as like many different kinds of protests Mm -hmm. to like protest i don't even know like this isn't even a fully formed thought so like i'm just gonna um go at it for a minute here but so (laughs) hippie dudes grew their hair really long it was like seen as extremely countercultural. right it was um could be read as a protest against many things um definitely like not wanting to be like a stand-up man of society kind of thing mm-hmm. like you were supposed to keep your hair cut short it was also sort of like could be seen as could be read as a war protest in some contexts right. because you're not like you have to have a really like close cropped hair to be a soldier um and then also and then it's it's also like this sort of assuming a woman's identity or a woman's role mm. to like be meek and stay home (laughs) um I don't know I mean I just yeah that's like um yeah again not a fully formed thought but yeah I mean I I also think there's like during this whole this whole conversation including this even um some resistance to the generation that came before which Mm -hmm. is the generation that fought in World War II Mm -hmm. so you know your dad has the high high and tight I think um <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you're growing your hair out and yeah like I you could see easily that being you look like a woman like you're mm-hmm. not very masculine like those kind of criticisms uh those bullying criticism from like the generation yeah. before yeah. and definitely I think like no I'm not in the military you know like right right you'll fuck yourself and I, I'm not gonna be a corporate drone okay that's a little more gen x there that language (laughs) (laughs) oh i was also thinking about like what um the gen x like triggered my memory i was also thinking about like you know asking myself this question of like what all is changing to make people so critical of this war and um and i was also thinking about like people uh because essentially, like the people coming of age during the Vietnam War are the baby boomers, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah. So they're coming. They're like coming into. Um, they're born into affluence, just natural affluence, because the U.S. is so powerful at this point. And There's so much wealth to go around. Yeah, doing and, very well post World War Two. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, and so, yeah. There's this like, it's. The protest, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, guys, but the protests can also be read as sort of like like tantrums, too. Um, I mean, you know, like I think that it, it certainly feels that way a little bit in terms of like, like we never had to ration for war and mm. like why the fuck are you like why the fuck is the U.S. embroiling itself into this conflict that it has nothing to do with this country this nation um and I and so I I question the sort of like 
I question at least some people. I mean, obviously the critiques of the war and the protests against it were majority like because it was um, immoral mm-hmm. and wrong. But then I wonder too, if there's like some sort of subconscious attitude of like, you're taking away my, um, like you're forcing me into this like austere uh, lifestyle, mm-hmm. I guess. No, I see what you mean. Also like, yeah, the people who served in World War II are coming out of the Great Depression. Right. You know, have lived an austere lifestyle for most of them. Um, yeah. And yeah, I would certainly certainly say that as the case. I would also say in terms of the draft, like, you know, who gets to defer the draft if you're rich and in college? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. if your dad mm-hmm. has connections. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not that different than who signs up for the military today exactly you know exactly who is the military forced upon in a draft or one of very few options as it is today for lots of people it's almost as if the u.s overlords want to keep (laughs) a large subset of people poor to have artillery hmm Hmm. (laughs) those lizard people in the federal reserve just kidding okay whoa (laughs) Uh-oh. You guys, we tricked you this whole time. That's actually <laughs> the thesis of uh, Sad Girl Syllabus. Sad Girl Syllabus needs to do an extra credit on that book, um, Secrets of the Temple. It's all oh, about the, evil, uh, the evils of the Federal Reserve. It's crazy. It's like truly, I haven't read it. It's like 900 pages long, but um, <laughs> but I've seen interviews with the the author and yeah that's an evil evil nefarious situation anyway <laughs> sad girl syllabus we really are just like <laughs> war historians economy experts economic <laughs> experts <laughs> we are the smartest people you know okay we're fucking experts <laughs> two girls too sad also the smartest people you'll ever listen to um <laughs> I like meanwhile I cannot pronounce anyone's name that I try to say every podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it is um I think that it, it is an interesting angle to look at it from the perspective of like affluence and um and but also I do think that women's liberation and the civil rights movement yeah brings about um or like brings to the level of like conscious awareness Mm -hmm. um this idea of human agency and human autonomy and sort of being like this is no longer about like uh, like you can't use humans as artillery and it's no longer about just like being material for our uh for our nation but like every uh, but human beings have agency in our um and people start questioning. I do think that people, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I can actually like make this claim, but it seems that people are probably really questioning like the constitution, mm-hmm. like, okay, you wrote this big old document on, um, on liberty and the pursuit of happiness or whatever, but you can't really do that if you're like spraying napalm on people in Vietnam, like that's not the pursuit of happiness. Right. And like, there's a, 
I mean, I think it, yeah, in both the women's liberation movement, civil rights movement, you there's begins like a giant critique of capitalism in the United States and mm-hmm. how the, those are the foundations of, of the criticism of both of those movements. Um, mm-hmm. And here again, it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is a war for profit for powerful individuals. Yeah. yeah. This is like a really funny like internet thing that's happening right now and at the time that we're recording early 2022 um everybody's buzzing about or everybody in like astrology social media is like buzzing about the u.s pluto return okay um which is uh happening on february 22nd between february 20th and 22nd 2022 so imminent it's coming up in a few days um uh the pluto return is something that like only nations can see a Pluto return because it takes Pluto 250 years roughly to come back to the same spot that it was in. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so Pluto is returning to the same spot that it was in, in on July 4th, 1776. And a Pluto return is, (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, it's usually characterized as the downfall of nations. Like, um, (laughs) I mean, people, astrologers today, of course, like, you know, say it in much more polite terms where they're just like, it's a major moment of transformation. Um, and then there are some, some people on social media who are just like, this is the destruction of the American empire. Um, it's really funny. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, if you look at all these different aspects and like in astrology, there's this understanding of like planets making certain aspects to like, to, to where they were when a person was born. Like you can say like, oh, you're like, yeah, I won't explain it. I won't explain the technical. <laughs> I won't get into I'm that. Saying, wait, but, what? <laughs> <laughs> but any, in any case, everybody's buzzing about the Pluto return because they're just like, and it's like, because of where it's happening, everybody is predicting a major financial crisis. Mm. And I will say on top of that, the federal reserve did have their like meeting and they're like hiking interest rates right. and like, and like inflation, like essentially inflation is, has gone so up. Inflation has, has increased so much basically that like, even if you got like a 4% salary raise last year, like you basically took a pay cut. Um, anyway, economic expert here. I know. <laughs> Fucking financial podcast now. Oh, no. Bethany, I've got a few questions, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, well, but any, but in any case, the Pluto return happening um, right now, as we're seeing like this major like inflation bubble happening. And um, what's interesting is that in the 1960s-ish, Pluto was making like a really, it was what's called a square to the natal Pluto of the US, which basically means that like, Pluto as a as a upheaval planet um, was like doing really bad things, nasty things to the United States. Nasty, anyway. nasty Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, next week we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I guess with the release of this episode, it'll be, it will be, it will have already, it'll be like literally that week, like the day prior when, 
So yesterday was the Pluto return <laughs> or like two days ago or something like that. Yeah. yeah we'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we won't be able to be. release this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Uh, so funny. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> Women at home, women during the wars, the major wars, they were, man, those were the witches and the astrologers. They were doing this shit during wartime. (laughs) Yeah. Star charts and all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think we just have one more episode in this season. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Um, One more episode on all women on women and war um I kind of can't believe it I can't believe it either um yeah yeah uh we're gonna have to watch like the entire Catherine Bigelow (laughs) filmography (laughs) he does love talking about it um yeah you know I really appreciate the casting of Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty right it's Zero Dark Thirty Uh Um, because Jessica Chastain, like, looks really formidable. Like, her bone structure is quite intimidating. Yeah, she's, she seems scary. Yeah. 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 Like, I, w- I wouldn't fight her. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm thinking about, uh, what's her face? Oh, Claire Danes. Oh, yeah. Was in that, um show homeland yeah and i think she's yeah. supposed to be like cia also what a great arc yeah. like from fucking beth and little women mm-hmm. to being a spy yeah but i i feel like i could fight her <laughs> <laughs> you're like you died of consumption I, in the 1870s. yeah we can go i could fight you yeah. <laughs> But not Jessica Justin. No, mm-hmm. she's scary. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jessica. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tough. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, what an what an interesting evolution of events. Women going from staying at home, waiting for their men to return, protesting war, and then just joining up. Yeah. E- feel like Virginia Woolf said something about this but uh (laughs) who can remember (laughs) yeah well uh thanks Mary as always thank you Bethany thanks for listening yeah see you later bye